Welcome and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. It says here, till death was part. Death usually is the final, final stage of us saying bye to our friends, correct? Our friends, our loved ones. And, you know, yesterday we um, did our celebration of life to our sister Liz, Brother Mike's uh, uh, lovely wife, late wife. And it was, um, it, was a, it was a blessing to do it. I wouldn't have it no other way. It's a way for us believers to say bye, but at the same time, it's not goodbye. It's to see you later. Because of the guarantee of being a believer, you are guaranteed of knowing where they are and the fact that you also are going there. Not because of what you've done or continue to do. It's because of God's gift to you. Amen? So death is what puts an end to things. Correct? Death is what puts end to things. Let's say for me, I owe a certain dollar amount. Let's say $100,000 to the credit cards. Let's say God takes me today. What do you think is going to happen to that debt? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> you can write me all the letters you want, but I'm not responding. Right? They can call my number left and right. They can give me a bad credit score, but would I care? No, I wouldn't because I'm dead. I'm there in the ground. Right? My body's rotting. I'm in heaven. I could care less what my credit score will be. Right? Plus, they can't even go after me. Because there's a rule, right? There's a rule. They can't go after the dead person. <laughs> it's actually written down. It should be a given, but it's actually still written down. <laughs> but going to our text here, till death do us part. Galatia, uh, this is going to be a study to, on Galatians. This is my introduction. If you can please turn your Bibles now to John 8. John is still in the New Testament, so you're going to go to your left if you're in Galatians. Keep going until you see John. <laughs> all right, John 8. So you guys know, all, the, all of you know the story of the woman who was caught in adultery. And this was the response. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Before I get to my point here, Jesus is such a patient person. Do you agree? Because what does he have to do with this event? It was a person that committed adultery. Two people committed adultery there, but only the woman was presented to him. At the same time, the people, the accusers of the woman, were trying to find fault on Jesus. They were trying to see if he's going to apply the law properly. If he knew what the law was. Because the law in, in committing adultery is death. So praise God that, that that law doesn't apply anymore. Correct? Because the population will probably be very, very little. It won't be as many as now. I think that's why they, they got rid of it. Because a lot of people, for some reason, they like to commit adultery. 
But Jesus being such the person that he is at this time, being who he was, he knew what they were, what they were planning. And he was the only one that could truly condemn the woman. Because he was sinless, right? He, he told them, he who has not sinned, cast the first stone. No one casted the first stone. At least at that part, they were honest, right? That part, they were honest. But they, and then here, the grace. God said, before this is because he said, whoever who has, who, who, whoever who has not sinned, cast the first stone. Basically, applying the law. Applying the law because sin causes death. Correct? Sin causes death. There is application. And then he applies grace. Because our Jesus, whom our faith relies on, is full of truth and full of grace. It can't be just grace because then you're condoning of sins or sin. Can't be just full of truth because then you're going to be legalistic. Correct? Jesus is full of truth and grace. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. As he says, go and sin no more. That's a clear command. Don't you agree? From God to the woman after he has given her grace. Go and sin no more. We all agree that it is a statement for us too. Don't we all agree to that? If you have accepted Christ as your Lord and has accepted his grace, we are told without him saying it, you are now forgiven, Joe, but go and sin no more. Some of us, we didn't hear that part, the last part. We just like the, oh man, I'm saved. It's time to party. Right? It's just like I saw this guy. He, he posted that he has quit drinking for the past 14 days. The next post that I saw on the 21st day, he shows a glass and he says, Celebrating my 20 days of sobership. <laughs> we have to have, there has to be a deeper sense, not just of the things that we do here at church or our faith. Being saved by the Lord, accepting Him as our Lord, must tell us deep in our hearts that there has to be a change at that point. Correct? We just didn't want the forgiveness of God. But don't you agree that the woman here, seeing what has happened here, what do you think happened in her life? She was Mary Magdalene. The first person that Jesus showed Self to when he resurrected. She was there crying, right? And I'll show you that verse later on. But this is a big turn. As she accepted the grace, she was told, Go and sin no more. Church, we are saved by grace on what Jesus has done on the cross for us. But we are told. To go and sin no more. Jesus said, be holy as I am holy. And if you love me, obey my commands. We are not given the license to continue to sin. And as we continue in the journey in Galatians 2.20, I'll just read the first part here, but I'll start with the verse 19 as we ended last week. 
For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. And then we read Galatians 2.20 earlier. Being crucified with Christ has both a legal and relational component. Two parts. Legally, God looks at us as if we have died with Christ on the cross. We are no longer condemned for the sins, for the sin that we have committed, because Christ has paid the price. Relationally, we are we share in Christ's suffering as well. And have died to our old way of living. He now indwells us in us through the Holy Spirit, empowering us to live a life of obedience. Believers, we have the Holy Spirit in us, the third person in the Trinity, in the Godhead. So you tell me why you can't stop that thing that God keeps telling you, keeps nudging in your heart to quit. You tell me why. Because you can't, right? That's your response. Well, because I can't. No, it's not because you can't. It's because you don't want to. Can we just be clear about that? Because once you become honest in the first stage, then solution will come. If you admit that that's the problem, then the solution will now follow. But if you keep saying, well, I can't, I can't. Well, yeah, of course you can't. But the Holy Spirit in you can. But being right with the Lord, the difference of Christ, the difference of being a born-again Christian is we become right first. We first become right with the Lord. Pardon comes first. Pardon comes first. Forgiveness comes first before we do anything. In religion, it's the opposite. You do many things first. Do, do, do. And then the answer is maybe you'll get to heaven. That's religion. But what we have is not religion. What we have is a relationship with the Son of God. We accept Him as our Lord. We got forgiveness. We got the forgiveness because of the crucifixion that He suffered. But this line is saying that we have been crucified with him. Paul then distinguished himself from Peter. Remember, this is him sharing to the Galatian church his talk or argument with Peter. Paul then distinguished himself from Peter, comparing what he did with the law and with what Peter did with the law. Paul described the transformation in a person who has come to God by faith in Christ in terms of a death and a resurrection. The concept is repeated in both verses 19 and 20. That's why I put 19 there. It's basically saying the same thing. And the reference in both cases is to a believer's union with Christ in his death and resurrection. If we died with Christ on the cross, we also resurrected with him. Amen? Meaning, our old self was crucified. Everything about our old self is dead. Remember, we said, till death do us part. So, when that's dead, then you're done with that. And now you're living with Christ, with his 
resurrected body with the Holy Spirit that indwells in you. First, Paul stated that through the law, he died to the law. The law demanded death. Your sin demanded death for all of us who broke it, who broke the law. But Christ paid that death penalty for all sinners. The law killed Jesus on the cross. And those joined to him by faith, freeing them, freeing us to be joined to another, which is Jesus, to live for God. We died on the, our old self was crucified with Christ, and now we're living with him for ourselves? No, for God, for God. Now our life is now for him. Yes, it's so hard to believe the American Christian for, the, for us to be said, what, my life is not for me? Man, the whole thing is wrong? You mean to tell me everybody's wrong and this is the right way? Because everything, all the information, well, you watch TV, commercials tell you to live for yourself. The products, right? The way it entices us and attracts us to buy it is to touch something that we want it. We want to look good. We want to drive that nice Humvee to work, right? So that everybody will be jealous. Yeah, I make $8.50 per hour like you, but I'm driving a Humvee and you're not, right? So we want that. We want to be able to be the jealous to make everybody jealous of us because we want to be admired, we want to be liked, right? For some of us. For some of us, we, we, we just continue to live the selfish life that we were living before we accepted Christ. Nothing changed. Nothing about us changed. Just how we claim and which church we go to, if we even go to it, right? That's, that's the only thing that changed. Now we're wearing a Christian church. Uh, shirt. Now, no longer the Jack Daniels that we used to wear. <laughs> or the Corona, right? Now we're wearing Christian sh shirts. Our apparel is about Christian, about Jesus. But nothing about our life shows it. Our life is still not living for Christ. Romans 7:4 reads, So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. Fruit for God? What? I'm supposed to bear fruit for Him? Yes. Number one, you're one of His fruits. You're, a, you're an ambassador of Christ. For some of us, we could care less if we are because we're saved by grace. Right? We forgot the last part. Go and sin no more. In 2.20, in Galatians 2.20, Paul enlarged the meaning of verse 19. He died to the law because he was crucified with Christ. He, Paul, was able to live for God because Christ lived in him. We need to understand this part. We need to recognize that the Holy Spirit is living in our bodies. He lives in us. 
How hard is it for your house when you're living in there? Does it complain to you? Does it actually knock you upside your head if you end up kicking the wall or not flushing the toilet? <laughs> no. The house is just there. Correct? The people that are living in the house do whatever they want. There is no struggle. Right? There's no struggle there. Because the house is just the peace, the structure being enjoyed with the person who's indwelling in that. We need to see ourselves as just God's house. Because we are. We are God's temple. We are the, whole, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Correct? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The problem is, do you have a squatter living in your temple? You know, John and I... Uh, <laughs> The Gossens and I, we, we partner up with the house, their, their very first home. And we had a squatter problem. Yeah, we had a person living. I, I know my, my, my cousin in the Philippines, he goes, there's a squatter in the States? Because <laughs> the, the squatters in the Philippines is somebody who occupies somebody's land and they, they erect a place, you know, then they start living there. Yeah, I told them, yeah, it's different here. They're clever. <laughs> you know, they, so he wasn't supposed to be there. It's not his house to live in. He's not even our tenant. Somebody supposedly rented it to him. From, he got scammed on Craigslist. The next question is, who gets scammed on Craigslist up to now? Right? 2018, really? Believers, we need to ask ourselves, who's indwelling in our lives, in our bodies right now? Is it the Holy Spirit? And if your answer is yes, our lives need to reflect that. We need to remove the squatters that's in us, the squatters, the old self. We need to remove the old self because that old self has been crucified with Christ. The person that is living in us now is Jesus Christ. Basic to an understanding of this verse is the meaning of the union with Christ. Similar to the doctrine or set of beliefs stated in Romans 6, 1 to 6, and also 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. It explains that us believers are and have been baptized by the Holy Spirit into Christ and into the church, the body of all true believers. Having been means, it's the means that united us to Christ. Believers, we all share in Christ's death. We share in His death. We share in his burial, and we share in his resurrection. That is why Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ. Have been and am now crucified with Christ. Is somewhat his statement there. This brought death to the law. It ended the Ten Commandments for him. Because the Ten Commandments shows that every people is guilty. We are guilty. It also brought a change in regards to oneself. Having been crucified with Christ, which it should give us a change of mind on how we should be living our lives. Listen, and I no longer live. The self-righteous, self-centered Saul died. We should also say that to ourselves. The self-centered 
the self-righteous? Joe died. And you could put your name there. And death, right, it breaks us apart. Also, the death with Christ ended Paul's enthronement of himself. He yielded, or he gave his throne, the throne of his life to another, which is Jesus Christ. For many of us, we haven't done that. We call Jesus our Lord, but it's just something we say. But our lives, we haven't really given him the throne of our lives. If we call him Lord, it only tells us that we only do what he tells us. And we don't do the things he tells us not to do. Correct? Look at, you can go home tonight and look at how it was with lords and slaves before. The slaves don't have a choice when to eat. They don't have a choice what to eat. They eat what the Lord tells them and when their Lord tells them. But us, we call Jesus Lord, but we're an American Christian. It's a democratic state, Lord. <laughs> it's not a republic. This is a democratic state. I have my free will. I will do what I want as I see it. Some of us, that's how we live our lives. God knows that how I lived my life. I loved everything about the salvation part, but I also loved everything that I kept doing that I know I'm going to be forgiven or is already forgiven. Because one thing that really resonated on the few times when I became, the first time I became a Christian, I was really on fire going to church. But then when I heard this message that my sins yesterday, my sins today, and my sins tomorrow are all forgiven. My goodness, I stopped listening after that. As much as it was true, I stopped listening. I kind of took it as a license to sin. Boy, was I wrong. Because then I suffered all the consequences. I was right. What he said was right. But then I wasn't living for God. I haven't given him my, the lordship of my life. When we say Christ lives in me, we have to really look at our lives if it's reflecting Jesus Christ. Yet Christ does not operate automatically in a believer's life. Who here want, wanted that the opposite? I'm one. I just hope, I, my hope was, I hope he just made me into a robot. But no, God gives us the free will to whether obey him or not. It is a matter of living the new life by faith in the Son of God. It is then faith and not works or legal obligation to obey that releases the divine power to live in the Christian life. This faith stated by Paul builds on the sacrifice of Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. Don't you agree? I think that sacrifice of Christ should compel us to feel, number one, what? Love. 
our gratitude and love should be together for Christ and what he has done on the cross. Because he died on the cross for our sins, not, not his. It should love us. It, it, you should, we should love him and it should move us to love and obedience. In essence, Paul affirmed, if he loved me enough to give himself for me, then he loves me enough to live out his life in me. He who started a good work in you is faithful to accomplish it and finish it. That's our Christ. That's the Holy Spirit that lives in us. That's God's goal for us. That's his desire for us. Now let's begin. No, I'm kidding. They're <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it's spotless, Joe. Let me dedication. Hurry up. First point. <laughs> that was our introduction, believe it or not. First point, old nature is dead. Romans 6, 6 to 7. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. Again, just echoing Galatians here. With him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Can we memorize this too? Can we also memorize this? That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Other than we're saved by grace and by grace alone. By faith and by faith alone. And then we should no longer be slaves to sin. No more. We should be done with it. Because anyone who has died, which is us, we were crucified on the cross with him, is now set free from sin. Christ died on the cross to pay for our sins so that we will be free from the consequences of sin. But it doesn't give us the permission to continue to sin. It's not a license to sin, church. I really hope that that sticks. Because for me, the first part, the salvation was the only thing that I took before. <laughs> Living the Christian life does not mean that we just try to do our best. Rather, to live the Christian life means that we allow Jesus Christ to live in and through us by faith. Within us and through us. By faith. We should allow Jesus to do that in our lives. When we invite Christ to work in our lives and obey his commands, we become his representatives. And he works through us. So what? So that others will be saved through us. Amen? Amen. <laughs> It's easy, easy thing to do, right? No. You know why it's not easy? Because so much in us is still the old man living. The old man is still there. You know what? And we're going to try to, okay, old nature. What's the old nature for those of you who are asking? We have to look in Colossians. This is what we need to put to death. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And you fill in the blanks with that. Sexual immorality. It includes watching whatever movie that includes those things that it's embarrassing to say. 
impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. See, greed for money is idolatry, correct? Greed for power is idolatry. Idolatry is anything that comes before God. Whether we admit it or not, or whether we like it or not, when we want something, too much of something becomes greed. It could be food. It could even be your children, the affection of your children or your spouse, affection of other people, right? It's going to be idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. See, this is talking to us, right? Unless you were born a believer, you, you used to walk in these ways. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander. There, in the Filipino language, chismis. Right there, to translate that. But the difference on verse 8 is, but now you must rid yourselves of. Because these lists right here on verse 8 is what we need to constantly, constantly get rid of. Just like our trash at our house, correct? If you're like us, we have like four trash cans and they always get filled. Gianna hates it, Alonzo hates it, but he always gets filled. There's only four people in that house, but four trash cans always get filled. My goodness. So they have to constantly get rid of it after we tell them to get rid of it. <laughs> Sometimes if I'm blessed, I don't need to tell them. But this is something we need to recognize. That the list here on verse 5 is to put to death. Put an end to it. This must be done with. Whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. And then here, church, I know majority of our church is Filipino, and I know that our pastime is, you know, what our, with our Coke and our chips and the buzz, <laughs> which is a show of gossip, rumors, you know. That's always been the tradition. That's your afternoon diet, right? You're eating, you're, oh my gosh, Chris Aquino is now married to who? And you know, there's, there's always, that's our pastime. We like to do that. But you know, we're now believers. Amen? Okay, one. All right. And you're not even Filipino, but that's all right. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Guys, we're believers first before we're Filipinos or Americans. Do we agree? We agree. We agree. If you're forgetting, I'm reminding you. You our, 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 our loyalty goes to God first, before to our culture, before to our country. Our loyalty goes to God first. So with this right here, malice, chismis, and filthy language from your lips, we need to get rid of it. We will not grow as a believer if we continue to keep our old ways. There's no half-in, half-out believer. It has to be an all-in believer. If, you, if you're like me, you played poker before, you're seeing those poker chips being pushed in. We need to be all-in. 
in this life. We need to be all in, not lie to each other. Gosh, this is hard, right? <laughs> this is hard right here. Do not lie to each other. How do we lie to each other? This question. How are you? I'm fine. <laughs> you just lied if you really weren't fine. But I know, I get it. You don't want to bring out your problem to other people because it's embarrassing or they don't need to know because they might be slanderers, right? They might be, <laughs> they might be chismosos and chismosas. You don't, you're too careful, right? See, that's why it needs to end. Because if our church, if we're worried coming in here that it's not a safe place, then what's our difference from the world? What's our difference from the world? We're wasting our time, really. Might as well shut the doors and take off the lights and split the money. <laughs> because we're just acting. We're acting. We're playing church. Real church heals. Amen? Real church really is there for each other. Real church, we don't lie to each other. If we, if we see a brother or sister sinning, we need to be, you need to stop. Out of love. Right? We need to stop. If you're hearing Jesus there in the bathroom, walk away. Right? Or in the, in the fellowship hall, walk away. We don't need that. If you're the one who's giving the chismes, I hope you're hearing me right now. We need to stop it. It needs to be done and over with. I don't care if we're Filipinos, if it's part of our culture. We're Christians first. <laughs> I'm laughing because I have that too. Okay? I, I kind of have that too. Okay? So my biggest prayer is that, that all of my old nature goes away. Okay? Because the, the, it reminds you of the joke. <laughs> oh, gosh, this is a disaster. It reminds you of the joke of four pastors praying together. All right? The first pastor goes, I need you guys to pray for me because I have a weakness with women. So brothers goes, yes, yes, we'll pray for you. The other guy goes, need you guys to pray for me because I have a struggle with money. When I see that offering plate going up, I kind of want to start some, you know, so please pray for me. And they're like, okay, we'll pray for you. And the other guy goes, ah, I have a problem with rage, guys. Please pray for me. If somebody's arguing with me in a business meeting, I kind of just, they're like, okay, okay, we'll pray for you. And the other guy goes, you guys have to pray for me. Okay, what's your struggle? My, my struggle is, is gossiping and I can't wait to go out of this room. <laughs> So, it's a disaster. If we don't get rid of these things, it's a disaster. We're nothing better. We're not better than the world. We need to be above the world. Amen? Not so we could be self-righteous, but so we could be the salt and light. Because people out there are already being treated that way. At work, at home. So, when they come here to a church that, that claims Jesus and we're the same, even worse... It's horrible, right? Oh, gosh, how can even, why would he even say that? Because it's true, right? I'm not calling anybody out here, but I'm just saying I'm reminding us that we need to get, this is the old sinful nature that we need to be done and over with. All right, <laughs> let's next. James. I'm looking at my, my brother-in-law here. He goes, I know when my pastor, because he goes to a different church, he goes, I know when my pastor's having a rough week. He talks about James. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not having a rough week, but here's James. Because he makes a point. Tempted by our own desire. Second point. 
This is our second point. Our first point is the old nature, right? Old sinful nature. Second point is we are tempted by our own desire, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. It's your own evil desire that you're enticed with. It's not the temptation. It's not that good-looking girl. It's not her fault. It's your fault. Why is it her fault? Oh, because she wasn't supposed to be wearing that at church. Really? <laughs> you know, I know pervs, and you don't need to do anything so much for them to be perverts. Okay? They're just pervs. They see a toe, they're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> a toe. <laughs> right? So it has nothing to do with that. It's your own evil desire that, that catches you. It's your fault. It's not their fault. It says here, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters, because that's what's going on. We're being deceived. If we're being told, that, oh, you know, it's a medical condition. It's a medical condition. Oh, no, it's your cultural background. It's okay. We're Pinois. We're okay to chismis. No, right? No, it's not. It's not. It ha we have to be done and over with, with that. We are being deceived if we think that it's everybody else's fault and not ours. Temptation is inevitable. No one escapes it. Not even Christ. Christ was tempted. Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin because temptation itself is not a sin unless believers acknowledge this truth we set ourselves up for failure you agree if you don't agree i hope that you're opening your ears to us right now and i want to show you what is is shown here there's four steps there are four steps here that we can see yielding to temptation is sin temptation itself is not a sin temptation is also not just a single event, but a process that involves four stages, as this uh, passage shows us. First, enticement, or attraction, or sweetness. If somebody tells you, oh, Richard, you look so good today, and it's not Jeannie. And you're like, man, Jeannie hasn't called me cute for a while. <laughs> that sweetness is an enticement, okay? Sweetness, fascination. Or seduction, that's the first stage. Number two, entrapment, deception. Entrapment is also synonymous to deception or allurement, or it's a trick. It's a lure. It's like a quicksand. You know what a quicksand is? All right, I hope you don't know it, but I watch movies and I know what a quicksand is. Indiana Jones, you know, you can go there. You go in a quicksand and you can't move. That's it. When you go in the quicksand, you can't move. That's what entrapment is. Third, endorsement. An endorsement is an approval. All of a sudden, after you were enticed with the sweetness of this girl, you were enticed. And then now you're, you're, you were tricked to believe it, that you're really cute. But, you, you know, you really, really weren't. Because, you know, your wife's a Christian and she can't lie. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so now you got trapped in that lie 
And now you're endorsing it. Now you're approving it inside. You're like, yeah, you know. <sighs> She's right. <laughs> I am cute, and uh, I think I'll go to lunch with her. So now you're approving it. You're endorsing it. You're, you're giving yourself a permission to that sin, to that lie. You're giving the green light to it, okay? And now, fourth, now you're going to be enslaved. Enslave, enslavement is, you know, slavery. Now you're subject to it. Now you're going to be serving it. And what does sin do? Sin gives us death. There's no life. There's no life in it. That's the stages of sin. The key to overcoming temptation is not to just resist, but also to change one's thoughts. It's, it starts here. right? Refocusing one's mind on what is true and on the one who guarantees or assures victory, which is Jesus Christ. You have to know, if you can't tell your wife or your spouse about a comment or uh, something that your coworkers told you, you already know that's not a right thing. If you can't watch that show or that movie with your children, you know you're not supposed to be watching it. Right? If you're going to tell this line, which I've heard it many times, don't do what I do, just do what I say, you know you're the wrong part. Satan loves to take routine desires and turn them into runaway desires. Dragged away means to be trapped. Enticed or tempted means to be lured by bait. You know, this, this guy from Alaska who spoke in this uh, uh, conference that I was in in Vegas two years ago, he said that um, the, the wolf hunters, they were talking about, he met them, and they were talking about the, the traps for the wolves. So different devices, you know. And he said, okay, what's the best trap? For a wolf. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. It has nothing to do with the trap. It's all about the bait. It's all about the bait. Because it doesn't matter how good your trap is if the, the bait is no good. So Satan knows what bait to throw at us so that we will fall into his trap. Satan uses various kinds of bait to lure the unsuspecting into his traps. If, when, if you are one of the believers that has been walking around this world always surprised, like, oh, man, I was tempted. Oh, man, I'm like being attacked. <laughs> you need to wake up because we have an enemy out there. You know, if you're about to do something for God and you're going to be attacked, that's just the routine. Don't be surprised. If you haven't been attacked, it just tells me one thing. You haven't been trying to be used by God. So Satan's saying, you know, forget about him. He's on the bench. We worry about the guys on the court. Right? That's the truth. Satan uses various kinds of bait to lure unsuspecting people, believers, into his traps. If people, believers, are not careful, they will be deceived. We will be deceived by their desires, by our desires, and we'll be caught in sin because it's our sin. It's our it's our desires that catches us. We will first fail, and then we will fall. 
Just as a child is a human being before birth, so sin is present in the heart before being revealed. It starts then in the heart. Psalm 7.14 reads, Whoever is pregnant with evil conceives trouble and gives birth to lies. When people hold temptation in their hearts and fantasize about it in their minds, sin is conceived. And once sin is born, it brings forth death. Make no mistake about it. Whatever affair you are enjoying right now, if you are in one, it will bring forth death. Whatever sin that you're enjoying now, whatever drug it is that you're taking, and you think it's making you feel better, it's going to bring forth death. Whatever it is that you think that you're buying to, the Satan, to Satan's lie, it will bring you death. In Tagalog, pinapadama ka lang yan. He's just playing you. He's just playing you. Don't be deceived. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I, I feel like this is a side note, but I also feel like that this is one of the traps that us believers fall into. Because sometimes we don't even know that it's also a trap. Because in all honesty, some of us or some of you might have the, the notion that, oh, I'm going to continue to hang out with my friends that are not believers so that I could be the salt and light with them. As much as that is true, there should be, we forget that there should be boundaries between us and them. Do we agree? Because it's a very dangerous place to be in. Now, I would say that this is just for the young people, but no. <laughs> it goes for all of us, correct? And no matter what age we are in, because we can easily be enticed by our old friends. The first thing that I really did as a believer was to share the gospel to all my friends. I have this one guy, his name's, he goes by Egai. Egai is one of the guys that I'm always hanging out with before. We used to gamble together. We used to do all the stupid things together. But then when I became a Christian, he was the first person that I called and told him about my, my uh, first friend that I called, because the first was Jamie. This, he was, I guess he was the second person. <laughs> and I told him about my, the salvation, about Jesus. So he's talking to me, talking to me. And then I got here, talking to him again. I kept telling him about it, but he wouldn't, let, he wouldn't accept because there's, he said, there's no way. He goes, you're probably playing me. You probably did it for Anna Lou, you know. Don't, you know, what, you can't make, get married to her. That's why you became a Christian. You know, that's probably it. You know. So what his goal in life was to also convert me as much as it was my goal to convert him. So he, he riled up everybody else, all my friends, to make sure to invite me in all the stupid things that we used to do still. So what was my decision? I had to cut ties with them. I had to cut ties with them. It was hard because, you know, it's been years of relationship that you just cut. It's like you putting yourself on the cross. Have you felt that? Have you done that? Because we must do it. Because there are friends there that will not listen to your Christianity, that they could care less. And their goal in life is to make you stumble. 
your goal in life is to make sure that you know that you are not any better than them. I'm going to continue. I'm being very unpopular right now, I think. First, still on our second point, God knows and he is faithful. We have to know this about our God. Yes, we've been crucified with Christ. We are now living with him. But you know, he knows better for us. And when it comes to temptations, we are tempted by our own desires. But listen to this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, the saying that God will not give you what you can't bear is wrong. When it comes to trials, the trials in our lives... God will most of the time give us something that we cannot bear so that what? So that we will fall on our knees and finally surrender to Him. But when it comes to temptation, He will not give us beyond what we can bear. Amen? So we, for us, we have that opposite. Unfortunately, some Christians believe the, the, the wrong one. Oh, I'm going through this right now with my wife, but I know God won't give me what I can't bear. No, silly. That's on the temptation part. When it comes to temptation, you're like, you know, I really can't handle this, man. I can't handle this anymore, Pastor Joe. My wife's giving me crap at home. Now this girl, she finds me cute and she's so understanding. She listens to me. She laughs at my joke. You're like, <laughs> right? If you believe something that's wrong, if you believe in something wrong, then everything is going to follow. Do we agree? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Some of us are silly Christians. It's not silly, right? So pepper, it's silly <laughs> Christians, <laughs> right? Silly Christians. God will give us a way out, and he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. How many of us, don't, don't raise your hand, but do you remember those times that you faced a temptation and God gave you a way out? You remember, right? You're on your way to that girl to see him or to see her, to see her for lunch. And you know, it's been brewing in your heart. You're like, yeah, you know, it's about time I'm, I'm, I'm giving up with my marriage. But I'm gonna, first, I'm going to make sure that I have a replacement before I do it because I can't handle being alone. So you go to your car, you come out, flat tire. Don't you think that that's God's way of giving you a way out? All right? And then you're having a discussion with the boy, the boy of your dreams who's also married. You're married, and then all of a sudden you sent it to your husband. <laughs> don't, you, don't you think that that's God's way of giving you a way out? And then your husband's like, what's this? Did you do something wrong? Why are you being so sweet to me? And by the way, who's Roger? <laughs> Right? That <laughs> just goes to show you your husband really doesn't listen to you because he doesn't even get the, the gist, right? But anyway, that's God's way of providing a way out. Don't you agree? Yes, you should say amen. I'm giving you stupid things, but this, this is true. There are many times that I know of, of people, who are believers who have told me, I was on my way, and then I saw my car was flat, and I knew it was God made that flat tire for me. I was sending this message to, my, to this girl. All of a sudden, it went to my wife, to my biggest surprise. Right? That's God's way. 
And you know what? It, you could face your wife's discipline, which I couldn't blame her and good for you. <laughs> Hopefully you learn your lesson. But that's God's way of giving you a way out for something that would truly harm you, you and your family. Amen? No believer of Christ can use the excuse that a temptation is unique to him or her. Even Jesus was tempted. Thankfully, God does not allow us, his children, to be tempted beyond our limitations. Unfortunately, people sometimes grow so captivated or fascinated, even in love with the sin or the thought of that sin, that we become blind and we can't see the exit signs or the escape route that God is providing for us. Third point. The question. The third point is a question. Are we living for Christ? This is the second part of Galatians 2.20. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I now live in the body, that's for the believers that accepted Christ, right? If you're still living now, your life needs to be for him now, not later. Not till you're gray. Okay? Not when you're retired. Pastor Charles won't stop serving God, right? Even his body's failing, but his spirit is still there. But some of us, man, we're strong, we're young, full of, full of energy, but we put it to what? Everything else except for God. Everything else except for God. I tell you, Pastor Charles would give you $10,000 if he had it, just to give your vitality so he could serve God for another 10 years. Right? I think so. <laughs> right? He has the $10,000, but he won't give it to you. So stop, stop uh, thinking about that right now. <laughs> but the point is, some of us, we wait until we're old and gray before maybe we'll serve God. The time is now. The time is now. If you're living, if you're breathing, if you're a Christian, your time to serve him is now. Now, if we died with Christ, this is in Romans 6 to 10, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Christ died on the cross one time for our sins, for all of our sins. We're all living for Christ. We should all be spending our lives for Him. If you look at your week, your days throughout this week, and you know you live for yourself more than for God, then you have next week to maybe change that. Correct? I know most of us are still working here. Praise God for that. But still, you know, you could make every conversation, if you're truly a attuned with the Lord, a gospel conversation. Do we agree? Yes, I agree. You should agree too. If you're going to be sincerely listening and you're really connected with God, every conversation will lead to God. If you're only listening to God first and then to them. He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Jesus. So it doesn't have mastery over us too. 
Because the Holy Spirit is the one that's living in us. Amen? Remove the squatters that are living in your life, the old self. They no longer belong there. Remove them. Still in Romans. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. This is in Romans. Also, this is in James. Do not let your sin reign in your body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. I don't know how you can even, if that even needs explaining. Because it'll just be a waste of time, really. I've been talking for two hours now. <laughs> no, no, kidding. 45. But, right, it's, it's so simple. It's plainly said. But our lives seem to be always concerned about pleasing ourselves first. And sometimes our, what we want is always against what God wants for us. We offer ourselves to sin more than we offer it to God for the works of righteousness. And then yet we call Jesus as our Lord. We profess to everybody that we're Christians. It shows in our status in all our social platforms, social media platforms. It's on our plate number, but our lives do not reflect Christ. Our lives does not reflect the resurrected Christ. And if I am hitting a nerve right now, and it's not me to make you feel like that I'm better than you, but rather this is us Reminding each other that us being believers of Christ, we are held up in a higher standard by our Lord. And that we should be obedient to Him so that people that are looking at us will be attracted to our faith and that in return, a person will be saved for eternity. We can't be selfish. Just because we're saved by grace and by grace alone, we can live our lives and be a bad testimony, testimony to the people around us. We need to be aware of that. Next question. Is Jesus your Lord? Romans 6.14 For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Right? We are now under grace. Christ has died on the Christ died on the cross for us. Our sin has been paid for, but our lives must be spent for him. We should be living for him, not so we can keep our salvation because we can't lose it. If you truly accepted him as your Lord, there's nothing that you could do to lose it. But what you're told, just like that woman was told, go and sin no more. This is the hard part right here. Is Jesus your Lord? So this is for you to answer as you reflect on your life. 
Are we going to be, are we all going to have good days? No, we're going to have bad days. Right? Sometimes we're going to lose our temper. We're going to talk back to our parents. We're not going to be sweet to our spouse. We're not going to be gracious to our children. We're going to be mad at work. Right? Sometimes we will have bad days. And that's where we say, praise God, I'm saved by grace. But we look for tomorrow. We look for the next day. Right? We have to develop a, a amnesia for our failures. As we ask for forgiveness and we repent from it, we need to develop a forgetfulness about it and move forward. Forgetting what is behind, but straining forward towards the goal. You are a new creation in Christ. I know we've said this many times. I know you've probably heard this many times. You probably have this tattooed on your back. But this 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Right? The new creation has come. You're a new creation. No matter what the world tells you, you are a new creation. We are all a new creation. The old has gone. You need to let go of the old you. The disrespectful you. The, the rude you. The slanderer you. The chismosa you. The chismosa you. You know, we need to get rid of that. Because we're a new creation. We need to be loving as Christ is loving. We need to be understanding as Christ is understanding. But we need to live our lives glorifying to Him. The old is gone. The new is here. For some of us, we still need to bring this to our lives. The newness in our lives. We got stuck in the saved by grace. And yeah, John 3.16, if it's just 8, 9, stay there. I'm happy, I'll stay here. Don't push me there. Oh no, I'm pushing you here. This is what this church does. We push. We push for growth. We take, we'll, we'll push you to take that plunge. Take that plunge of faith with the Lord. Because He can. He can change you. You can't quit drinking? Of course not. God can. God can help you. All right, next point. Should we take a coffee break first? No, I'm kidding. All right. John 20, verse 11 to 13. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting at the head and, at the, other, and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had, had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Do you know this is the same Mary that Jesus gave grace to earlier. This is the Mary that was caught committing adultery. This is the woman that Jesus said, go and sin no more. This is the same woman. So now, what happened to her? She became a Jesus follower. Her life was now for Jesus, serving Jesus. She went to the tomb to check on Jesus' body. When she found that it wasn't there, she was crying. She was weeping. She was weeping for Christ. Her life turned. Right? Her life turned. I know we all want to turn our lives. When I was sitting before too, my heart was actually really breaking. 
Because I was asking myself, man, why am I not changing? Why is that rage still there? Why am I, why am I still my yabang? I need to change it. Why am I still proud? Why can't I take an insult and just walk away? Why can't I just do what Christ is expecting of me? You know, I, my heart was also breaking. And I know that when we fail, sincere, sincerely, if you're a sincere believer, I know it hurts. I know it hurts. And Jesus says here, she said to them, Be, oh, she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said, Rabboni. When Jesus speaks to us, we know it's him. Amen? When God is speaking, will be speaking to you through your reading, through your circumstances, through prayer, and through the church, you'll know it's God if you're truly seeking for his answer. You know, today, I planned of playing basketball today. I wanted to play basketball. You know, I'm on that old man league, and today's the <laughs> <laughs> today is our first round of playoffs. And, you know, I was busy yesterday. We had the funeral service, so... After the funeral service, I, I wanted to finish the message, but then I was coming down, seems like coming down with the flu. So I'm like, oh, babe, I told my wife, I go, babe, I need to drink something. I need to go to bed, rest, but I need to finish this message. I didn't tell her because I want to play basketball tomorrow morning. <laughs> I didn't say. So, but God knew. So I woke up with the stiff neck and the big migraine this morning. I'm like, this is God telling me not to play. So I said, all right, I'm not going to play, Lord. I'm yours. My life is yours. My life is yours. I live for you. You know, that's me and the Lord's conversation. You know, I just found out before coming here, a friend of mine hurt himself playing. And I, and I told my wife, and I told my children, Man, that, could have, that could have been me if I disobeyed God. So now where is it in the Bible that thou shall not play basketball on Sunday? <laughs> it's not there. Right? Thou shalt not play basketball if you're a pastor. Not there. Not there. Right? Not there. But for me and, and the Lord, I know when he talks to me about a certain thing, my best, best response is to agree with him. And the point there is, oops, sorry. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken things, these things to her. Believers, we, God speaks to all of us. It's just that we're not all listening. God's speaking to you too. You're just not listening. He speaks to all of us all the time. We just choose not to listen to him. Christ is in you. You know, there's another Mary. There's another Mary that God worked with. Right? We are... All modern-day Marys, Mary, the Virgin Mary, right? Even more so when he was a fetus in her, but he is a force in us. He will do what we cannot do. Imagine a million dollars being deposited in your checking account. To any observer, you look the same except for the goofy smile. But are you the same? No, you're that person now with a million dollars. But now, look at, you, look at yourself 
And you have to know that God is in you. You have a million resources that you've never had before. You can't stop drinking? Christ can, because He lives in you. You can't stop worrying? Christ can, because He lives within you. You can't forget, forgive the jerk? You can't forgive the past? Or you can't forsake or abandon your bad habits? Christ can, because He lives within you. Paul knew this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 29. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Like Mary, you and I are indwelt by Christ. You find that hard to believe? How much more Mary? Mary was like a teenager when that happened to her. The line beneath her picture in the high school annual aspires to be the mother of God. <laughs> no, she didn't know, right? She didn't aspire for that. No one was more surprised by this miracle than she was. And no one was more passive than she was. God did everything. Mary didn't volunteer to help. What did she have to offer? Advice? From my perspective, a heavenly choir would add a nice touch. Yeah, right. She offered no assistance. And she offered no resistance. She could have. Who am I to have God in my womb? I'm not good enough. She could have said, or I've got other plans. I don't want to marry Joseph. I don't have time for God in my life. Later, Lord, when I'm 65. Later, Lord, when I'm retired and sitting at the beach. But Mary didn't say such words. Instead, she said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Luke 1.38 If Mary is our measure, God seems less interested in talent and most interested in trust. So the question is, do you trust him? And he can make you the believer that he desires you to be. Unlike her, we tend to assist God, assuming our part is as important as his. Or we resist, thinking we are too bad or too busy. Because once we, that's our, that's our trend, right? It's either we're too bad, and then when we're too, not bad anymore, we're going to be too busy. Too busy for God. Right? We're praying, Lord, Help me change my schedule, Lord, so I could be with you. You know, change my schedule, change my schedule. Then no more time for prayer meeting, no more time for Bible study, no more time for church. Because now you're too busy. Because God changed your schedule. Right? Yeah, when we assist or resist, we miss God's great, great grace. We miss out on the reason we were placed on earth. We're to be pregnant with the heaven's child. That lives in us. To be so full of him. So that we could say with Paul. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. Now do you wonder if God approves of you? You know how he sees you? He sees you in Christ. Because we are in Christ. So does he approve of you? Yes he does. The question is, are we ready 
to surrender our lives for him. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your message tonight. We thank you for the truth, Lord God, that you've spoken to us through your word. Father, I pray for your help, Lord God, that we will be able to just move in obedience of whatever it is that you are telling us to do or to not be, Father God, to finally live our lives for you, and not just for our selfish desires and goals, but for your goal and your desires in our lives, Lord God, to be, which is to be like your son. Father, I pray for the people, Lord God, that you brought here tonight that have not surrendered their lives to you just yet. I pray that you just help them, Lord God, uh, be enlightened and to finally surrender to your lordship. My brothers and my sisters who still have to surrender their lives to you again, not again because they lost it, but again to finally live it for you. Lord, I pray for your anointing. Anoint all of us, Lord God, so we will glorify you in everything that we say and do. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's the end of today's message. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and want to support our mission of reaching others, help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life.